back then it was our normal, you know, that's what we thought was the norm. Yeah, the discipline, standard for discipline. Right. But as you grow up and you interact with uh, your peers and you go through life, you start to look back and, and actually appreciate how all of those things that, you know, like Ma mentioned, were not always comfortable. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombat, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode on Living African. Today, we will be talking about the need for communication in the African household. My guests for today are my reasons for being. I have here with me my lovely family, dad, mom, Leslie, and Musaga. So what people may not know about me is that I also have another brother who has been sick from birth and cannot be here today, but we will talk about him in another episode. So hello, everyone. If everyone can just introduce themselves, maybe dad, you can go first. Um. Uh... Rudolph Fombach, and I live in Ethiopia. I'm the daddy of the family, <laughs> and I'm a retired researcher and university teacher. Nice. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Pops. <laughs> then Mom. Yeah. As you all know me, I'm a Grace Fombach, a medical doctor by profession, and I'm working with the UN. And that's the reason why part of the family is living in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And then Dr. Ma, who's my only sister. I'm Leslie. I work in South Africa as a medical doctor. And um, yeah, I'm the first born child. You're who? <laughs> the first born child. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then me. I'm the second, obviously. And I'm the second born, but I'm the last girl. Uh, and then I have Musaga, who's like my headache. Is that is that that enough for me to go? <laughs> or that's still part of you? Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> well, I am uh, Musaga, Jebby's headache, as she claimed. Right. Um, living out in Houston, Texas, about twenty minutes from Jebby, and I work out here as a petrophysicist for Shell. So oil and gas. 
Nice. One thing about Musaga is when I just hear my ring giving me a notification that there's someone at my front door, I just know it's him. So <laughs> the reason I decided to do this episode, especially with my family, was because, I mean, if the goal of this podcast is to normalize open discussions, then what better way to start with my family, right? So I honestly have grown to appreciate various dynamics in different African households, as I have spoken with, you know, so many Africans from different countries. So I wanted to give my own perspective of how communication or lack thereof can actually affect upbringing and the course of one's life. So today we're going to be talking about our experiences growing up and how communication had a very huge influence on who we are today. And we will also give different outlooks and share funny or not so funny stories about growing up in the Fumbat household. So here's a quick backstory. And I invite everyone or anyone, especially mom and dad, I invite you both to maybe correct me if I'm not getting a few things accurately. But we probably did not grow up like most traditional African families because we had to live with one parent for the most part of our lives. So I remember when we were in primary school, I know dad had to leave for the UK for a couple of years to study for his PhD. And I mean, I'm not sure how many years that was. Dad, how many years were you in the UK for? Three yeah. In torture because it was in two sessions. Okay. Yeah. So for about three years, when we were in primary school, that's between the age of like, I think four and 10, he was away from us. And then we spent most of the time with mom. And then by the time I think I was like 11, 12, mom got a job at United Nations and she had to leave us with dad who raised us exceptionally to this day. And, you know, the family actually reunited in 2007. When I say the family, I mean, mom and dad and Bayong, who's the last, but we were already all out of the house. So Leslie or Ma, me and Musaga, we were all out. Ma was in South Africa and Musaga and I are actually here in America. So one thing that actually stood out to me was that even though we were all like basically we were with a single parent at certain times in our lives. And basically for the most part of our childhood and adolescent ages, both mom and dad made sure that they were actually equally present in our lives. And that right there is so commendable. And I just want to take a moment to thank you guys for that, by the way. So let's talk about, you know, the stories that we experienced growing up. And let's start with how you guys communicated with us. And I'm talking to mom and dad. So I remember Ma and I were always like having these discussions and we're asking each other, like, why are they always having this long conversations with us? And, you know, the long talks. And I remember one time when we were in college, like we had to sit you guys down and be like, okay, it's enough. Like, we're not bad children. I mean, you guys were not trying to act like we're bad children, but we just felt like the talks were too much. I mean, you guys never laid hands on us. And we're going to talk about that later. But I just wanted to know, like, why you guys chose that approach of, you know, communicating and having these long talks with us. Well, maybe if I can open the floor, there is a simple reason. The first thing is that I just want to thank God for the choice of a husband for me. Because when you have somebody that you understand yourself, and then you really lay an open discussion and a frank conversation. And so we have made up our minds that, you know, unlike us growing up with our parents where the belief in the theory that a child is to be seen and not to be heard, we did not believe in that same theory. 
We believe that we have to make our kids be part of us. We have to make our kids know who we are. And so if somebody were to talk to any of our children outside, say, yeah, daddy is a thief, that child is able to say, no, that's not who my daddy is and that's not who my mom is because we want to be open with you. And when we are open, we make you friends and not enemies and not that top-down approach that most parents will want to do with their children. And so that led us to the fact that we also wanted you to know some of the challenges of life. If we did not discuss, for example, those issues, then you quickly fall prey, either to peer pressure or going astray because nobody guided you. And so we wanted to be very open because we have passed there and we know that the road is rough. And if we did not express ourselves to you, to make you know that it's a tough road, it's not really as smooth as we thought. Um, maybe we would have given you a false impression, would have given you the impression that life is just a luxury, full of luxury. But if you remember, despite the fact that we were civil servants earning quite good amount of money compared to other people or even to our peers, we still had even that opportunity to train you guys to do the common things that every other person did. If you remember, I for one, because I like farming, after work, all of us went to the farm. And during the holidays, all of us went to the farm. That is something that nobody would think about our age group or our level to be doing. But we did it, and we did it with joy. Why was that? To train you if you do not have a white-collar job. Your hands can never fail you. The soil can never fail you. Daddy, on the other hand, made sure that you people learn the skills. Girls, you remember you went to the market to do hair plating. He bought a machine and took you to a tailor to make you learn how to sew clothes. Musaga, you remember you went to the... The barber. Barber's shop. You went even Mechanics. to the electrician. <laughs> and you learned all those small, small things. And the funny part remember is, Yeah, looking back now, we see that Musara, every time you find his car, there is a big toolbox inside that car. Well, and thanks to me. <laughs> Besides being an engineer, there are small, small things in your house that you can repair by yourself. And I think for most of the time while you were out there, you learn to do your own hair, you learn to do hair for other people. And you, know, you remember that your first salary was from hair plating. Yeah, so in college. All of this, yeah, so all of those things gave you different skills. Our colleagues were looking at us as we were crazy, as if we had nothing to do with our money. But looking back, we made you an all-round child, each one of you. Yeah. And so it made you stable in life. Like when it was holiday, Anya, you remember that when it's your week to eat, there was always some protest at the beginning, and then uh, you then start cooking. But it gave me people skills. And me, personally, I'm so proud because now I tend to learn certain recipes from the two of you yeah. on how to do it. But you, you enjoyed that privilege that we gave you people to learn to live an all-round life and not only look for the white-collar job. 
Musa, right. you've been driving a taxi, <laughs> some kind of Uber, Uber. And, uh, to make a living. It's because you know that as long as you are not no stealing, the nobody is going to accuse you for doing what you can do. I know you saw the garden, you were taking pictures of yeah. the maize, the tomatoes, and every day you were so passionate about that garden. Yeah. It's just because we've made oh, you to, yeah. yes, the transmitter skills and you learning that love for nature, for greenery. So all of these, we think that they brought different skills in their life. And one of the things that personally I felt so proud about was when we were still in Cameroon as a family on one Christmas, I thought I have done a wonderful Christmas tree. You came and pulled down that tree and you redid it. And when you finished, I said, wow, what a perfect Christmas tree. Hey, I've been having fashion skills our, from birth. <laughs> yeah, you come and pull down our cutting, which we paid money to get them soon. And you redid it for us. And again, when you made that touch, it was different. So all of the made us proud because we thought that we prepared uh, you guys for a future, which we don't know how tough it's going to be. But we knew the challenge that as you grow older, things will be changing. It will be tougher for you. And you need to have that coping mechanism. And the only way to cope is to know to have all different skills in, yes, in your hands. And even in your education, we still talk about having even those alternatives in your education. So it's not only about the manual skills, but it's also making you to have those alternatives. You remember that each time one of you reached class seven, the first thing your daddy did was to take you to computer classes. classes yeah, to if get you did not do that, when you went, all of you, to university in civilized worlds, you imagine that you had to start learning to use the keyboard at that stage. You would have been frustrated. But you then added the knowledge that you got from there to a higher level. And now all of you are better off in computer. Both me and my husband, we are still at that preliminary stage where we're not so deep in it. But at least we have a working skill on computers. So those are some of yeah. the things that we felt that being open with you people and making you being able to share your challenges with us yeah. will make us think as a family and yeah. come out with solutions. We might not come out with perfect solutions. We might also even disagree on the way we look at those things or the solutions we propose. But at least they're still guiding. You would still say, why did mom or why did daddy say this and not the other one? Yeah, you know? that's that's so, true. Yeah, so we use that method to, to really impact open discussion. And it is our prayer that as you are in your own homes, you will do the same with your spouses and with your children so that there is that attachment. If yeah. something touches one of us, it touches the whole family. It is not Anya's problem. It's not Musala's problem. It's not Leslie's problem. It is our joint problem. And we have to work together. And that kind of a family, they say in the Bible, a family that stays together. What did they say? A, a family, family who prays together, together stays together. 
I yes. like that one because I got a, pro- a big problem we can all work on right now. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much, Mom. I mean, I can already see you guys already know who was the one always initiating these discussions. So, <laughs> I mean, Mommy, you talked about a lot of things, you know, a lot of things, which I mean, I plan to talk about later. But one of the things you actually mentioned, which I really want to highlight was that, I mean, that communication was not one way. Like it wasn't you guys just talking to us, talking to us. I remember like at the end of each of those communications or discussions that we had, you guys are always like, is there anything you want to add? Or is there anything you have in mind that you want to talk about and stuff like that? So you guys actually gave us that floor to open up and also talk to you guys. And, you know, that's kind of a funny thing when I talk to my friends and they're actually shocked that we actually spoke back or every now and then, like when you or daddy does something and I'm like, you have to apologize. You were wrong. And my friends are like, oh my goodness, like you're asking your parents to apologize. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's how we were raised. Like if you do anything wrong, you apologize. And you guys apologize to us right from a very young age. So just that humility, that's actually what is rare to find amongst most African dynamics, especially between the children and the parents. So that's really why I wanted us to talk about all of this. Now, Ma, Ma is always the most quiet person ever and she barely says anything. But Ma, what was your outlook? Just one minute. Yeah. One minute. That uh, uh, mom, uh, you talked about college. And uh, I want to first say that it was actually high school when you people were in high school. I mean, for those who want to get the equivalent of college and high school, that oh. all this talk was really in in, in high school in high and school. not college. As, yeah. 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 So, Ma, what was your like perspective about all of this communications that we were having growing up? In all honesty, I actually didn't mind them because they molded us. The communications, especially with the talks from our parents, molded us at every stage of our lives. I think they were necessary, in all honesty. Sometimes they were a bit burdensome, but (laughs) I think we learned from each and every one of them. Um, some of them were uncomfortable, but I think they were very necessary at every stage of our lives. And they did mold us up and direct us onto what path we must take. Some of the communications actually led us to in terms of career-wise. I think parents have a way of just directing you to what they want you to do almost. Even though they don't put it out there so much, they... <laughs> kind of implants the interest in you which looking back sometimes you wonder if you would have taken a different uh, route when I got exposed so much talking about this is just like times when I remember my mom ensuring that my sister and I went to the hospital with her every time during Christmas yeah um, and just spend time with the kids there um, and then you just found yourself developing an interest in medicine, not so much because like seeing her work so hard and being called at 2 a.m. at night by neighbors to help. You probably wouldn't want to have like gone through that, but like somehow we instead developed an interest. And I remember we even had a small medicine cabinet at home. And yeah. I mean, Jabi used to be very, like, interested in, like, what medications to give and what. And then today she's a pharmacist. But I think, like, all of that. Molded I mean, us. Musaga just 
didn't want to do anything related <laughs> to medicine, but <laughs> I mean, not to say that he was kept out or anything. But yeah, like they sort of molded us into becoming who we are today. They were not necessarily the pleasant when we went through them, but most of them were quite enjoyable. Right. Right. And I actually remember, like, I, I think that was like the last time that we really had some of those deep discussions because we've been having those deep discussions since when we were like 10, 11. And I remember one time Ma and I we were discussing about it. I think we were in Ethiopia or something. And we were just like, why do they keep telling us the same thing over and over and over again? Especially when we were becoming teenagers and like, you know, the whole sex talk and the boyfriend talks and all those things. It's like, we just felt like we've had this discussion for over 10 years and it's just over and over again. And we had to like sit you guys down, mom and dad. And we were like, you know, we're good children. Like, you guys have been saying the same thing over and over again to us. And I feel like that's when you guys kind of, you know, cut back a little bit on those discussions. But I mean, the discussions are still not non-existent. We still have these talks and we still discuss every now and then. But you guys give us the floor to initiate those discussions most of the time. So, Musaga, what did you think about this communications? To be honest, Ma has really touched on a lot of the thoughts I had in terms of how they impacted us. But just just looking back, you know, back then it was our normal. You know, that's what we thought was the norm. Yeah, the of, discipline, you know, standard for discipline. But, right. But as you grow up and you interact with uh, your peers and you go through life, you start to look back and actually appreciate how all of those Things that, you know, like Ma mentioned, were not always comfortable, were very necessary and actually helped shape us. And you appreciate those talks. And then as you also learn about your environment and what's going on in the world, you can also notice how important those talks are and empathize with people that end up in certain situations just because of the lack of guidance. And I think just growing up in America and seeing dynamics out here, you start to realize that a lot and it makes you more appreciative. And, you know, that also channels the need that I personally have to be able to share that with people and give that guidance. But overall, like I can't even state how grateful we are and I personally am just just thinking back to the way we, we grew up, I think I still don't completely understand that style of discipline, but <laughs> <laughs> it was very interesting. I'm still unclear how to how to term it because like you said, mom and dad never really beat us per se. I mean that happened a couple of times, mostly with me, but <laughs> that's another topic. But even when, when that happened, yeah, even when that happened, you know, we still had to talk. I mean, it wasn't just like you get in trouble and if it escalated to that level, the deed is done and you move on. No, you still had to talk yeah. to understand what you did wrong and to discuss why it's wrong. It wasn't just don't do this, don't do that or this is what's going to happen. So that kind of instilled discipline in us. And it also helped us understand the amount of care that our parents showed towards us, you know, 
And personally, even when I was out of the house on my own and I was free to do anything, I always still had that voice at the back of my mind, you know, when you're doing things or you're getting pressured to do certain things, you just think back to all the lessons, all those talks that you had and all the confidence that your parents have instilled and placed in you. And that silent voice was always there and it's still there. And I pray it always remains there. So. That's really good. That's good that you mentioned that because, I mean, especially with the style of, you know, raising us up, you know, it's kind of funny because, I mean, Joyce, our adopted little sister, she lives with us. She's 15 years old. She started living with us or with me when she was like 12. And I find myself disciplining her in the same way. Like when she does what teenagers do, which is pretty annoying stuff. It's like, I always have to like have that talk with her. I mean, after yelling at her a few times, but I have to have the talk with her. And then I have to tell her, like, you have to go sit down and reflect and write a one page or paragraph, just stating what you did, what made you do it and why you think you were wrong and what you can do to change that, you know? So it's like just giving you that time to reflect on what you've done. And now that Musaga just mentioned that it makes me, you know, I, I just, think about, you know, like how I am also raising joys. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I guess, you know, certain values are passed down, you know, down generations, like we are what we see growing up. And, you know, I just want to thank you guys for that. Now talking about disciplining by beating. I know that barely ever happened. I mean, I can recall maybe one or two times that that happened with Musaga because of course he was the most stubborn (laughs) one. (laughs) But how we're going to do this is mom and dad, of course, maybe dad this time. I want to hear what you think about disciplining a child by beating. And also we're going to talk about funny stories that led to almost led to that point of beating or maybe led to that point of beating in, in Musaga's case and maybe once in Ma's case. So <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. the idea of corporal punishment was really almost non-existent at home. Yeah. And uh, Musaga had uh, a light one, I think, <laughs> because he paid the house made to wash his clothes, and uh, we said everybody had to do their laundry. But he was lazy, and he paid the <laughs> housemaid with uh, 25 francs, which was actually nothing, something like about two, three cents to do his laundry for him. I was not happy with that, and that is, I think, the only time that uh, Paul said I gave him some five stroke or something <laughs> like that, and that was the only time. And uh, mom perhaps also supposedly beat Ma because she climbed on the roof of the house. <laughs> yes. And uh, if, if she could have fallen and uh, dislocated herself, we uh, had... We yeah. uh, uh, never had any problem. Oh, I'm the and, good and child. She, never had a problem. she was never touched. So she, she came out of that. I was a so good that, child. We knew how to work the system best. That uh, came to mind. Otherwise, everybody was free. Yeah. Right. And the fact is that maybe that was maybe in the light of, for me, when, when I really gave mother trashing, it was more of fright. Fright. Because I was thinking, I'm going to lose my chair on top of the roof. She didn't understand the danger. She climbed on a guava tree in front of somebody's house. 
and God herself climbing up to the roof on that corrugated zinc. She could slip yeah. down and it, that would be the end of her because that height is more than three meters. And it was more of fright. And and uh, the the idea of Musaga using 25, it wasn't just the 25 fans, but is the thought behind it. That could be like, you know, in our community where there's a lot of corruption and all of those things, then you are paying your way out for things. And it was just that kind of discipline that you never use money uh, to buy services. Okay, yeah. you can do it, but you learn to do it also yourself. And when you learn to do it, then you know whether it is an easy task or is it a tough one. If you remember, there's a story about some guy who went for an interview and uh, they asked him to go and touch the the palms of the parents. And so how hard they were because the parents worked uh, day or night to make sure that he had everything. And he was just a lazy one about and he could not do anything. He could not understand. When he went and touched their parents' hands and came back to the uh, the person who was interviewing him, he realized that it was through hard work that the parents gave him all the luxuries. So having a job, he would now think, yeah, he missed it out helping them, but he has to support them to come out of that. So it was more also, again, that you need to do things of life. Imagine in America, you didn't have even a washing machine at the time. You didn't have a house help. You didn't have anybody. And actually, it wasn't even a house help. It was a child we adopted and trying to bring up. And then we found ourselves that that was also like an exploitation. But we wanted her to also have the same level of treatment like all of you. And that you know about us that. Nobody ever knew who was a house help in our house and who was our own children. Everybody who was under our roof had the same level of treatment. We never went to cook two pots so that you can have uh, maybe chicken and they will have gari and uh, uh, watery soup. Whatever we cook, everybody ate the same. And so we gave everybody an opportunity. So some of those things were just, as you said, is to make you have those everybody skills. Went to a mm-hmm. everybody, went everybody went and made their yes, and made your choices. We didn't and have to. People thought we yes. were crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have to impose on you. So, yeah, but also you remember that it says if it's don't spare the rod and spoil the child. So, yeah, it, it was a mix of two types of discipline, but we prefer the one where you actually understand. Yes. yes. They are not just using the cane because what that what happens? Yeah. <laughs> so what happens when we use the cane every time? We say, okay, I'll do it. Daddy or mommy will beat me, and so what? I'll keep him for a little time, but so what? But yeah. you do not understand why that one. So now, because you know it, you you can analyze the situation. You can get the pros and the cons, and it makes sense. And and this would go. I have watched uh, Ma talk to Mia. And certain times, I'm the one with a softer head. And she said, no, she's not going to have it. And, and Mia, just, Mommy, let me interrupt you a little bit. Mia, because the listeners may not know who Mia is. Mia is Ma's daughter. And my daughter, yeah. too. So, Yeah. So you, you, you see that. Uh, when I look at it, yes, I, I said, okay, there, there is something. When you tell a child you can't have this, there is a reason. And the, the tendency is... When Mia enters the shop, everything she sees, she starts crying for it. 
and you're not going to jump to satisfy her. She must know to prioritize what is necessary at this time. Is it just because she saw it or is it because it's necessary? So those kind of things, uh, we, we, I, I, I watch it happening now with you people. Yes, yes. And, and with joy that at least we make you people know how to prioritize and you can bring it up in other generations. We have come to the end of part one of this two-part segment where my niece decided to chime into the conversation. We will continue part two in the next episode where we will further discuss the values that we learned from communicating with our parents as well as the annoying things that they did. Yeah, sometimes they too can be dramatic. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have any topic suggestions, questions or inquiries, please reach out to us through our email and social media handles in the show notes. I will catch you on the next episode. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.